0: <laughs> Grady Powell, host of Forest and fire Kyle Mann. I'm J Warner Wallace. Kira Davis. Hey up
1: hey this is Dave Davis. Harry Pomeroli.
2: This is Mike Reiner. This is Ethan Nicole. This is Liam Morgan. This is Graham Parker, the fifth GP. And this is why you should never, never, ne- never,
0: never, never. How oh, I got suckered in. I'm so embarrassed about here. Your, you're wasting your time. You got better things to do. Never listen, those darling, yummy reverend and the raper bike. It is. Did you fix your glasses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to The Reverend and The Reprobate. My name is Lucas Pigard. I'll be playing The Reverend today as I'm an actual pastor. And with me as always is a man whose spectacles have finally been repaired. It's Mm -hmm. Big Dan Gibson. What's up, Big Dan?
1: Uh, Man, I'm doing good. Are you? I I realized the the depths of my give up on life this last week when I realized that I could just bend my glasses back. And they have been, I don't know if y'all go back, but they've been hanging down like this. It's because I was just For like, months. they're broken, and there's nothing I can do. Not true. No, the only thing that it was ended broken was true. True. your spirit. <laughs> My spirit. My spirit was broken.
0: Today on the show, we have the very talented uh, bass player, Ian Martin Allison. Many of you will know Ian from Instagram or from Scott's Bass Lessons. You if may have heard uh,
1: him playing such sounds as, and then synth.
0: Yeah, he does a, some really cool stuff with synth bass. Um, he's played a lot guy. with uh, you heard that. That's him with Corey Wong from Wolfpack, but also Corey Wong and the Wong Notes. If you uh, have checked out any of Corey's stuff on YouTube, um, they're good friends, both in the Minneapolis area right now. Ian talks to us a little bit about his journey from... Um, side musician Mm -hmm. to Instagram bass model to uh, now being a large part of the Scott's bass lessons family. He discusses the oddities of having your own signature bass made and what it's like whenever somebody puts your name on a guitar and says, this is the Ian Allison signature. And uh, maybe the apprehension of when you open up the box and you're like, Do I hate it? Uh, as well as giving some really practical advice to people who are starting out playing the instrument, what to do moving forward. Uh oh, and even even for
1: you. Yeah. You know, you know, someone that's been playing for years, how do you stay engaged and, and keep pushing and um who, I, who, I would who, just who can like, help you along that path? Like
0: how many years more do I need to play before I, I not suck? <laughs> <laughs> we're like 20 years into yeah. this and I'm like you know what
1: I'm still pretty awful when does the not sucking begin
0: yeah um and Ian tells us uh, in my case likely it won't so make sure that you check out our episode with Ian Allison if you're a fan of the show uh, like and subscribe to our channel follow it if you're listening on Apple Podcasts give us a review so we know what stuff you like what you don't like about the show and we can make sure that we make the show more enjoyable for you guys without any further ado uh, on our show today, Expo, is one of, uh, he's become really one of my bass heroes over the last several months as I've rediscovered the instrument after a bit of a hiatus. He is the bass player for Eric Hutchins. He is the magical, mythical master of all things bass synth. Ma, It is the co-host of the SBL podcast, which you can find on all your podcasting apps. It is the wonderful, the handsome, the very talented Ian Allison. What's going on, dude?
2: That's like the best
0: I know. intro <laughs> I have ever, like... ever
2: received. I just need to be taking notes and lessons from you guys. Can I sign up to do like a podcast course? With yes, you guys... that would be great.
0: You know what I'll do? I'll write that down, and we can just send that to the next First... people that are going to do interviews with you, and be like, "This is the intro that's been <laughs> yeah. approved but by
1: Ian. This is the
0: Here's formula." Here's how he
2: likes to be introed.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. In, in in our in our in our master class, it'll be.
2: Our first class is
1: introductions.
2: Introduction: How to yeah. give a ten thousand dollar introduction. Hey,
1: <laughs> listen,
2: man. There have been courses made on things that uh, matter less. This uh, is doing true. a great introduction is is a skill. It is, and well done, fellas. He's, he's,
1: you're very good at. It. But thank you. So, mine, I just sit here. I mean, I'm not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Let's
0: get well introduced. done to you, Lucas. Thank not you. so much. Thank you Dan. very yes. much. Yep. I'll, I'll take all those pats on the back. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, my first introduction to Ian came uh, a few months ago. I, around September October, I had to uh, something happened at the, ch- at the church that I work at. Our our music director um, felt like it was time for him to move on to do some other things, and so. He was a, a piano player. I hadn't played bass because the band was kind of his thing to direct. I had done that um, for years and, and gotten to be, you know, the guy that was directing the band and the bass player and stuff. And, and I loved that position. But when he was doing that, I was moving into a different role. I wanted to make sure we kept those things separate. When I picked the instrument back up to like play it seriously again, one of the things I realized is that I suck at this. <laughs> Like, oh, it's yeah, just right. like, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. Right. And so on Facebook, this stuff kept popping up about Scott's base lessons. Sure. And I'd seen so many things with Scott defined and you know, there's the glove. And so, you know, I immediately, I'm like, all right, so why is this guy wearing his Michael Jackson glove? And I'm doing all this research. Right. And so I'm curious about Scott. Well, I, I got to say what captures me and what makes me sign up for the 14-day free course. And this is not something that SBL is paying for. This is like my legit story. So everybody that's listening yeah, needs okay. to know that. Got it. So what what makes me sign up for it is when Ian Allison comes on and says, these are the 10 bass lines that you need to learn with bass synth." That I see that YouTube video and I immediately am like, okay, this guy's doing something completely different with the instrument in a modern context Mm. that makes you know, the, the bass guitar, not just relevant again, but super cool in the way that it was whenever, you know, I remember the first time I heard Larry Graham playing, I was like, I've got to figure out what that guy's doing.
2: Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's
0: the way that I felt whenever I saw my first Ian Allison video. So Wow. So, that's
2: high praise. So
0: I want to know, like, how did you, let's start there. And then I want to talk about some of your career stuff too. How did you fall into bass synth? Because this has kind of become, you know, part of the Ian Allenson sound. Whatever people
2: think about you. Sure. Oh man, there's there's a lot to actually unpack there, and Sweet. I'm just trying to think about the best way to do it because I can ramble, you guys. I'm a rambler. That's perfect. Uh, but <laughs> I, were you, say were you born that way? I... Yes. <laughs> Was that? Yeah. Were you born Was that you bor- way? Were you born that way? <laughs> You're born as yeah. a rambling man. Yeah. Rambling man. Oh, well done. Well done, fellas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> quick on the game. This is the only thing I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I that was actually the first video that uh, I made for SBL, and it's incredible. Like when I look back on that, I wasn't on staff, so now I work there. But at the time, I was just a contractor, and they were like, "Hey," they were kind of like testing the waters with me. Like, "Hey, do you want to make some content?" I'd done maybe a couple like live streams. I'd made a little course for them too on um Mm -hmm. sideman stuff so i had this idea of like uh there are there are people that talk about the side musician as this sort of banal like milquetoast boring entity that is just going to play kind of lame vanilla things on your record and I don't think that has to be the case. In fact, I grew up loving uh, side musicians like Tony Levin who plays Mm -hmm. with Peter Gabriel who were anything but that. And I think that boy, as a result of tasting all of these different things, you might actually find what you love and wanna pursue. And for me, I really, discovered uh, my love for playing synth bass lines on the electric bass. And for a long time, I kind of like poo-pooed it and would sort of like self-disparage and be like, ah, it's not, it's not that cool. And if you want, you know, a real thing, you should hire somebody that plays Moog and can do it for real. And then um, I turned 40 and had either, you could think about it as a, a, an awakening or a midlife crisis i i prefer to think about it as the as the former an awakening yeah and i thought like (laughs) what if what if i talked about this instead like i liked it because i do and i was never saying that it's the same as playing synth bass it's just a different lane and so when sbl was like hey would you want to do sort of like a top 10 style video for us i was just like I'm going to do synth bass lines. And they were like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, honestly, it, it was a it was a bold first choice. I probably should have done, you know, the top 10 Paul McCartney bass lines or the top 10 flea bass lines. But I did this weird video of like, hey, you can use pedals in this chain to make your bass sound like a synthesizer. Should you want to pursue the weird avenues that I pursue? um and then i make a case that you should want to pursue it because there are very few instruments that are like parallel universe mm-hmm. you know there's not like if you learn to play the sax i suppose maybe if you play an ewe it's it's like a parallel universe thing but right. like if you learn to play the sax you're just sort of playing the sax and there's nothing else that does the sax but isn't the sax but if you think about bass there's something else that does bass, but isn't bass. It's a keyboard. And that's weird. Yeah. There's not a lot of that in in music, right? So like you have the bass guitar, you have the upright bass. Those are two very different worlds. And then you have like key bass. There's like three camps that are so different and people don't talk enough, I think, about why it's so great to learn uh, synth bass lines on the bass guitar because it takes you out of your comfort zone and makes you play shapes and patterns and things that you never would play in a million years on the electric bass. Uh, and and I, I fell in love with it and decided to to kind of like plant my flag and and uh, make that my thing.
0: <laughs> and
2: that's a very long answer to your question. No,
0: I mean, it's a great answer because it's it's working. Right. Like you can say, oh, it's a long answer to the question, but, you know, I decided to plant my flag here. But a lot of people plant their flag in places that is a, just a, they die on incredibly dumb hills. This sure. is, this sure. is one like as it relates to my own story of me becoming not just re interested in, in the instrument, but now interested again in like learning new things this was the avenue that opened to that door. So thanks for not making the Paul McCartney baseline
1: video uh, because yeah, like, I, I've seen oh, enough I of it. that. Yeah.
0: Right. And like, I, I love McCartney stuff, but and I and really, I, and I love flea yeah and yeah, yeah. but i will tell you if you use an octave pedal a little bit of fuzz and an envelope not one that goes like what but one that goes out then uh, <laughs> then you can really do some sick stuff with the you paul can. mccartney bass lines right you play come together as a synth bass it now my my wife thinks it's cool she's like oh that song she's like that's that's a weird song i played it with a synth bass and she's so, like oh you know what that's not bad it's like you, you can thank Ian e Allen for that.
2: Yeah. Synth face cure all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: Electric, stand up and key synth bass. You said those yeah. are the three. Yeah. Which one, if you were a young lad wanting to meet a girl, which one would you suggest is the best one for picking up chicks? Dude,
2: mm-hmm. listen. Or is it the listen- guitar? The only yeah, it's it's the guitar. Yeah, the only reason you become a bass player is by is is like you you draw the shortest straw, you know, yeah, or you're fine, like I'll the only friend. <laughs> like dude i mean i wanted to play the drums i wanted to play the guitar and then those things were taken and i sort of was like oh fine i'll play this stupid bass you know because that was like the only way in and then you realize the amazing thing is when you get the bass you realize oh actually this is like the best incredible secret that no one knows so much power so much subtlety, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you just stop playing for a moment and it feels like the world falls out <laughs> under your feet. Yeah, You know, yeah. it's Let's just incredible. Yeah. It's an incredible instrument to play and to like feel that power of like changing the chord with the note that you play, a single note, you know, has all this weight that's like, you know, it's, it's very cool.
0: So you've you've talked in the SBL podcast about how you were in comparison to some of the other bassists that, especially those that are part of the Scott's Bass Lesson. That's what we're when we're saying SBL. That's what we're referring to. Yeah, guys that are in that uh, you know that same circle that you got your big break like later. Right, that you were yeah. you were 36 when you started playing with with Eric Hutchins. That's how old I am now. I'm still waiting on that on that big break. No, um, it's it's so cool to see that as part of your story. But before that, you had a pretty incredible music career before you got what what you've considered your quote unquote big break. And uh, you you taught at a at a school. You taught bass.
2: How did you end up with that gig? I want to hear that story, dude. I mean. Yeah. So so briefly, I grew up in this little town in Montana, um, had some really great like high school friends. That then we we became a band, right? And so we all moved out in in stages out to the Midwest to Minneapolis. I went to school, but then on the weekends we were getting together and playing like cover band shows in little towns outside of Minneapolis and driving long distances and you know and then like driving home with like the fur covered like uh, cabinets <laughs> yes. in the backseat just reeking of like beer and smoke and uh-huh. I mean it was you know like when you could smoke in bars it was insane yeah. uh, and. And it was an amazing time um and then when i got out of college i worked at a store called mars music do you guys remember oh mars? yeah yep yep yep
1: yep
2: yeah dude. i bought a lot of whirlwind cables from mars music 20 <laughs> hey, years hey, ago hey, yeah hey, <laughs> i sold a lot of whirlwind cables at mars music <laughs> bought some myself yeah i mean and that was an amazing job and then that to, to anybody that doesn't know listening that was like a competitor to GC and it grew really quickly and then it crashed and I went down with the ship. I did a, I did a thing where, you know, we sold all the inventory and then I was the only person left in the store and we were selling fixtures, like Weird. we were selling like um, doors and the, the Macintosh computers that were still there and the guitar hangers. And the, I mean, it was dark oh, and dude. then that ended. And I was like, I, have i remember writing a list of things that i thought that i could do and and like be a professional musician outside of my band just didn't seem feasible so i remember writing down one of the things i wrote down was vending machine guy i thought that maybe i could be like a good like vending machine guy i had that
1: same thought a week and a half ago yeah (laughs) because my i have a uh, a step grandfather who was who married him much later and he had a bunch of them and he would go and he'd get hundreds of dollars out and he'd go to Sick. Costco and you know get re- go restock
2: and he made some money on it Dude, it's not listen. a bad idea, there was a, dude. There was a vending machine guy that, at a place that I at Mars Music, and he used to pop in and restock the machines. And he was cool, and sometimes he'd throw us a Coke. You know, like, this, <laughs> this dude's great. So I think it's more. I've always been such a people person. So if I find somebody in a profession or in a world, and I like that person, I just automatically think that the job must be cool. It's I don't know if it's a character, like if, if it's a flaw or a. A positive well, trait. well I'm not you definitely sure.
1: get your own hours, right? You being a being hey. a, a, a vending machine guy, yeah, ish. Vending machine guy.
0: I mean, you got to go when the store's you open. Get, you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> like I think vending machine guy is cool, but I'm not trusting him with the key to Mars Music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was a very trusting vending machine guy, and so would I have been. Yeah, no doubt. Thankfully, yeah, man, I had a I had a great friend named Matt Kirkwald, who's an unbelievable guitar player and producer in Minneapolis. He was working actually at a small, um, really small uh, Christian school in downtown Minneapolis called North Central University, and he was like, "Hey, there's no bass teacher. They desperately need a bass teacher." Now, now, all, all the while. I was one of those guys that started teaching really too young. I was like the kid in my small town that was teaching bass lessons at the music store when I was 17, no business doing it. You know, like I I had facility and was, you know, so I could play flashy licks and attract students, you know, so there'd be, you know, 40 year old men that I was showing how to play, you know, ridiculous tapping licks to, And so all that continued and I was teaching. So I had, I had some, um, Experience anyway teaching and this college was absolutely. Desperate to have somebody that knew something about the bass guitar. And they hired me, and I'm very thankful they did. Man, Dr. Herb Johnson mm, hired me. I was thrilled. And so I got a gig teaching at this college, and I was there for 10 years, and wow. I met a wow. bunch of amazing people. And that, honestly, that opportunity is where I started to see myself more as maybe a side musician. I got to play a bunch of different things. I spent a lot of time playing in church church music environments, playing in cover band environments. Those are two environments that I think don't get enough love in this industry. People don't talk about them enough as like wonderful uh, places where you're sort of battle-hardened in a sense as a musician. And boy, I really loved my time. And I mean, I still play. There's a, a church I play at every Sunday night in Minneapolis is my home church, Upper Room. That's I love awesome. it very much. I've been there for 15 years so but that experience um really introduced me to that world and then as a result of that world i met a ton of people that were some in the church scene some not uh and it really brought me out into you know the stuff that i'm doing now as a result of that teaching gig it's pretty cool It,
0: it is pretty cool and now i'm like i'm going to try to plan my visit I, I was a missionary up in canada for about a year and my wife has never met those people and we're uh, we're pregnant with our first and so she's like this oh, is congrats. probably thanks man she's like this is the time where we probably need to go because once we have the baby it's going to be a lot harder so yeah. we're going to have to just plan our sunday night road trip up to thunder bay canada around watching ian allison at the uh at the upper room, <laughs> like that's, that's so awesome. Right. And, and, but that's also, that's a big encouragement to like the other players that are there. And you're right. Like most of the guys that I grew up playing in church with the, especially the older guys were session players. We had yeah. a group of session players that played at the church. And as soon as I started playing, I was like 14. And they were like, Hey, you know what? You look like you're passionate about this instrument that everybody hates. So why don't you come up here and then we'll, we'll teach you how to be better at it. And it was, it is like you're talking about, it's battle hardened. It's amazing opportunity. And you get, if you commit to being there, dude, you get a lot of just stage time, which I think is, is really invaluable. So you, you get the start of the school, um, you're there for 10 years. How does, how does that gig turn into,
2: uh, Minneapolis Eric Hutchins
0: yeah SPL. okay so
2: the Hutchinson thing happened in in an interesting way so when I was on the road with an artist named Lori Line, and she okay. is a midwest star uh, she's plays piano and it's all instrumental music so it's like and it's mostly holiday music and I did okay. that gig for four years and it was like costume changes so it's part like theater Whoa. Um, and and it was mostly on upright and i suck it upright. and oh man and she was sweet and hired me and took pity on me and she liked my <laughs> attitude and she did this thing i'll never forget in my audition she did this thing with her hands where she said right now she's like i really want to hire you but ah, she's like right now your <laughs> attitude is up here and your talent is here. And there was like a really big disparity. <laughs> between hands, You know, like, like the attitude hand was really high and the talent hand was really low. And she was like, but you know what? I think I want to give you a try because you're going to be in this band with all these like killers and you'll just learn so much. And I, I'm so thankful. Um, really, like the end of the day, that gig was incredible uh kenny holman who is um cory wong's one of cory wong's main sax players Mm -hmm. was the musical director for lori and uh he took me under his wing and i would play him i was really working on jazz at the time actually because i was you know teaching at this college and so i'd like play i was i had the omni book and i was playing like parker heads and stuff and i'd Mm say kenny can i play something for you and will you you know give me feedback yeah and you know and he was like don't swing it so hard just amazing so that gig was was great in a lot of ways. And then we had our first child. So I would have been 30, I'm trying to think. I'm 43 now. I would have been about 32 when we got pregnant with our with our daughter Everly. And I just thought, man, I, I actually Dude, this was a time where TalkBase was really happening. Do you guys? Yeah, know yeah. Talk yeah, the TalkBase talk forum? forum. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been and all they're... over it this past week. <laughs> okay, all right. This... Well, there used to be a thread on TalkBase called Ask JMJ. Are you guys familiar with Justin Melville Johnson?
1: Yes, Who, he probably he, will
2: Yeah, like he he played for Beck. He's an incredible producer. He produced the last couple of Paramore records. He produced the last couple M eighty three records. He's a hero of mine. And he had a forum that you could just ask him questions. It was before he was a mega, like a, right. a mega base star. And I remember asking him on the forum, like, Hey, do you have any um, thoughts about balancing career and family? I'm doing this road gig and we're about to have our first daughter or, you know, our, our first child. And I just would love any insight and he was so man i if i ever get to chat with him someday i just really need to thank him because he was so cool about being honest he said you know i i was married and uh we had a daughter and i was married for 10 years while i was on the road and he said and i did the math and i realized that i was um on the road about six of those 10 years And he said, and they were good gigs. It was Tori Amos and Macy Gray and um, Nine Inch Nails and uh, uh, Back. And he said, and even still, it wasn't enough. Like, I could fly them out. It was awesome. There'd be great snacks and catering and ice cream. and You know, like, it was amazing. The amenities. Oh, the amenities. But... It wasn't, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't quantity time. And he said, yeah. And then he said something that was so cool, like uh, cool in his honesty, he could have said she didn't get it. Oh, you know, she, she couldn't handle that I was a professional musician. He said, what I learned about myself is that I am married to music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn. I mean, it was very, and it was very honest. And I think so many people pretend that they're not, but they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and what's... he and and it it put this thing in me of like, I can't at this point continue on this road gig uh and and try to be also a, a good dad. And so I quit. Whoa. <laughs> so this is the long this is the long way to get to the Eric Hutchinson the question that you asked. So I quit. And I think to myself, I'm 32. I'm done. I'm all done. Now it's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little guy out. now.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. That's exactly. Get it. off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, like people. <laughs> Made some sweet. Tea. When you
0: hit 32, that's when professional athletes and musicians <laughs> yeah. retire, or they start yeah. making bad albums. Like we're finished. Exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yep. And I was just gonna play in church, and yeah, I, I was just gonna Bob play, Rock. and I was just gonna play with with people around, uh, you know, friends. And it's all good. And it's all good. I loved those scenes, and I loved those people, and it was fine. But there was also like a little bit of grief right like letting this thing die and what happened was i started to pour myself into my town and so instead of thinking about oh the tour that i wish i were on or the city that i wish i could move to i started to think about the people in my town that i loved and that i wanted to make music with and i started to make more music with those people and what happened was inevitably Minneapolis is an amazing music town. It's not considered one of the big three. Right. It's not, you know, New York, uh, LA, Nashville. Uh, but we sure think we're, we're pretty puffy chested about it here. You know, we love it. Uh, and what happened was I just made so many more connections in this town. So check this out. Uh, I do a gig with Michael Bland, who used to play with Prince. He also plays in that band Soul Asylum, mm. uh, and became friends with him and he had a gig and I love Michael so much. And he was like, Hey man, I've got this gig, it's 50 bucks and it's going to be a ton of work. And it was all synth sounds on electric bass. And he was like, you know, would you do it? And I was like, uh, yes. And I remember like prepping it, hours of prepping this material and trying to learn it, thinking 50 bucks, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> but then got there, you know, and played the, at the rehearsal. And then there was this killing keyboard player, like over here, killing. And he was like, who are you? And I said, who are you? And his name was Elliot blofus who was the MD at the time for Eric Hutchinson. And so he was like, Man, would you ever consider coming out and subbing? Our guy goes out with uh, Hanson. You remember Mbop? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um m-bop, Andrew Peruzzi, killing bass player. Bop, Our guy goes m-bop. out with, you know, Andrew goes out with Hansen, and we need somebody that could, you know, can help out. And I was like, Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to. Are you kidding me? And so I tell this story a lot because, you know, we tend to think like you say, oh, you know, 30, 30 to 32 done. Yeah. You know, Finished. so from 32, <laughs> yeah, 32 to like 36, I just worked really hard in my town just and tried to make connections and do things here that felt um, like I wanted that were exciting to me. And Uh, And it led to that gig, you know, playing the $50 gig and really, because I said yes, making my yes, yes, and not being like, I can't believe I said yes to this. What am I doing? I'm not going to put it Oh, for 50 bucks. I can't put in that kind of work. No. Like I put in all the work and did the gig. And then it led to the best gig I've ever had for sure which
0: which is totally awesome because and like you're talking about like 36 for a musician is old it might be really young for a vending machine guy but it is old yeah, dude. it's old for <laughs> yeah, dude, a musician right. and and yeah, yeah. getting that gig at 36 but it, it does speak to just like the character of you know you as a musician that you put that much effort into the 50 dollar gig you know, and you guys talked a little bit about on the the sbl podcast like choosing gigs and you basically were just like hey if you think the music is cool do it and and put effort into it because you don't know you know who the people you're gonna you're gonna meet are and what that's gonna be like That's so cool
2: it's interesting man i mean i i really do believe in that and you know i've talked about it and i've gotten some flack for it this idea that like hey if it's cool do it and i i've received some big blowback on that actually of like, oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds like somebody with money or that sounds like someone who doesn't have to worry about the roof over their head. I mean, I've always had to worry about the roof over my head. I've just, I have always felt like if there's something that has come up while still doing something that ensures the roof over my head, I mean, I've worked, I've worked all kinds of things, teaching, done all kinds of different gigs, uh, done, you know, all kinds of odd jobs over the years. I mean, you know, to provide the things that feel like stability, but then when there is an opportunity that comes along that I get excited about, I mean, this is actually another JMJ thing. I watched him talk about this. Someone asked him even at the height, like when he was really crushing and doing all these big gigs and going out with Trent Reznor and people were like, how do you charge for a session? And he said, if it's cool, I do it. And they said, what do you mean? And he said, it means that if I get excited, the mu- the money is meaningless almost. Like, like you know, it, it's fine to get, you know, I want to get a day rate. So I'll say, right. I'd like, this is what I'd like to get. But if it's cool, I say, but whatever. I'll do it for whatever. And I used to not do that. I used to say, oh, well, we'll charge X amount for the rehearsal. And then... This much for the show. And, and if you, you, know, and I won't do it for less because I thought that's how you are a professional, but then I would, I would lose things or people would go, Ooh, that's kind of too, uh, you know, I yeah. don't want to, I can't. And it feels odd to try to negotiate money is so weird in music. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I know that you guys know money is especially weird in church world with, Mm -hmm. with uh, money and music in church world is incredibly difficult to talk about for some reason. If I hear the word honorarium, another one more time, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. It it, Um, it feels icky.
1: Oh, so yeah, Yeah, it it does. does.
2: It feels icky and it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I feel like when I get that excited feeling, that feeling is going to lead me to money. And it's kind of, I mean, you know, again, I just, I'm, I'm seeing now the YouTube comments that I've received (laughs) when I talk about this, because this is sort of this conservative uh, idea of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And then the, then there is the more uh, socially liberal perspective of, well, you, well, first you need the boots to have the straps, right? And, and I understand that. But I think the thing that I, that has always been the North Star for me is if I can figure out a way to prioritize the art, that always leads to other opportunities that then lead to money, mm-hmm. you know? Like the idea of that, that first gig that I did with this drummer, Michael Bland, that I loved, and I'm playing the synth bass stuff. It was so much work. But I believed in it because I believed in the people. I was excited to get to do my thing, playing pop music and playing like, it sounded like a Moog on electric bass. Like I was excited. The $50, it was was meaningless because I met my friend, Elliot Blofis, who was MD for Eric Hutchinson. I got that gig, he left. Now I'm musical director for Eric Hutchinson, right? Like if I would have been like, how much does it pay? My life would be different absolutely different and it is no shade and no judgment to people that need to say how much does it pay because i know that we need to like we need to make money right but i tried i have tried to set up my life in such a way that i take care of that we live a modest life take care of the things i need to take care of so that there's stability and then leave room leave room to say yes to something that you're excited about so that not every gig just has to be a money maker, because that it just doesn't promote creativity, at least in my world.
1: I do. I, I think you're dead on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's the, there's the Jim Carrey movie. Yes, man. Right. right. He used to do everything. I mean, I, I know that's not the point you're making, but, uh, but being, being open to a new experience or potentially an experience that you don't, maybe you're undervaluing, you know, I, I don't yeah. think it's only $50. I'm not going to get anything out of that. You don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because so much of the music business is about networking. It's about hanging out with people, finding other cool musicians that you like, and whether you, you make something that you both dig or you both end up at a gig and you're like, wow, I really hated everything that we just played. And they're like, yeah, me too. What would you like to do? (laughs) <laughs> anything other than this, like, okay, well, you, I had fun playing with you. You want to go play anything other than this somewhere right. else? they like yeah. those, those relationships are so important. And I think prioritizing that is, is amazing. I have really dug, not just getting to hear you talk about the stuff that you've done with Eric Hutchinson, but now getting to see your stuff with, uh, Scott's bass lessons. So mm, th- yeah. how did that relationship start? And how do you end up being the guy that's on the podcast because there were other guys that were well entrenched into SBL know, and what was happening, yeah. but you have become like one of the, the big personas
1: <laughs> yeah. on it. Right. It's, it's when I think yeah. of
0: SBL, I think of Scott Devine. I think of you and I think of Phil, man, those mm, are, sure. you know, those are the, the, the three guys. So how does that
2: happen? Okay. So check it out. I mean, when I, when I turned 40 and had my awakening, I had spent, the decade of my twenties in this rock band. And then I spent the decade of my thirties all doing side musician stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's pros and cons to both. I was tunnel visioned with my band. We're going to take over the world. Of course we don't take over the world right now I pivot. Now it's side musician stuff for 10 years. And I go, Ooh, I'm really missing some create some creativity. I'm really missing some um, not so much creativity actually as just control over my own destiny, or at least a semblance of a felt control. like always being at an artist's whim of record cycle tour cycle, right? I was like, man, I need somehow to combine these things. I need to feel like. Um, in control, and also still the ability to play with other people, and what that was for me wasn't going to be like a slap bass record. It wasn't like I wasn't going to make you know like an Ian Allison solo album. I mean, it's that's actually something I do want to make, but but yeah, at the time it was about content. I was like, I I like speaking, I like presenting, <laughs> I I like um, talking about the things that I feel really passionate about. So what if I just take Instagram really seriously? That felt honestly easier to me and more fun than, well, now I need to book all this studio time and get a band together and go back through my phone and record all these ideas. Like making a record felt really daunting. Taking Instagram really seriously for a couple of months felt fun. So I was remodeling my little, I was putting some hardwood floors in my little studio and buying a rug and just documenting that process. So instead of like, Oh, thinking about what post I could make and like what cool music I should play and the highlight reel. I was just shooting video of like, you know, Uncle Rick coming over and helping put flooring in, you know? <laughs> and whenever I did something that was base educational, I would tag Scott. So no fool I, I mean, I was definitely trying to target him. I wanted to get on his radar. Right. Um, and I remember my wife saying to me, He's gonna contact you within one year, and I thought that's that's preposterous. He'll never contact me. You know, I'll always be the guy like waving, you know, from from far away. Yeah. And there was a moment. Scott. Is that really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scott, hey, do you know me? Yeah. I tag you a lot. <laughs> I know <get, I> <laughs> you so much. But there was this great moment where um, I had sort of taken a break—not not a um, an intentional break. I just hadn't posted in like five days or whatever. And I woke up and I had like 600 new followers, which almost doubled my follower count at the time. I was like, what? Like, it was like, you know the thing appears in your, you know, and it's like uh-huh. the hearts and the thing and the, you know, and it said 657 or something. And I was like, oh, what happened? And I found, and Scott Devine to camera, he's doing this to his phone. You know, he's going, Ian, where are you? I feel like you've gone everybody on sbl i want you to go follow this app right now ian martin allison because i feel like he's gone and he can't stop posting because i've become addicted to watching his stories which i didn't know i mean i wasn't viewing wow. any analytics wow. at the time and so he i mean he called me out <laughs> in, in a in an amazing way right yeah. right and then i was like oh okay it's on and so i messaged him and said i love what you do uh, I'm good at X, Y, and Z. And this whole thing of like, if it's cool, do it. I really tried to apply that to Scott. I said, Hey, I think that I could serve you in one or how, you know, one to three of these arenas. If you think that I'd be good for anything that you do, just tell me and I'll just do it. Like, I'll just do it. I'm not like, and let's, let's negotiate the contract and let's talk about money. And let's, I just said, I'll just do it. Whatever just let me know. And dude, there was a day where he, he said, Oh, that'd be so great. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll, and it was all kind of pie in the sky. Right. And then, you know, a few weeks later he was like, I just sent you an email. Um, and I pulled, I was driving and I was like, Oh, and I pulled the car over and I'll never forget. Like I opened my email and it was this, like, I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to do this. Here's what we pay for all of these things. And I looked at that and I wept. I wept, I just was like, oh, (laughs) it's like, I couldn't, I mean, just the acknowledgement, the opportunity, right? The relationship that came from just trying to be me on the internet, you know, taking this risk and like, hey, I'm gonna try to be myself and post a lot on this platform, Not, not floss, not just, you know, try to play the fastest crap I can play, but really talk and play about the things that I really love and this guy gets it and he wants me to be a part of it. And that's how it started, man. And so, you know, I just did with Scott what I've tried to do with everybody else. I tried to do a really good job, (laughs) you know, like my first opportunity, I tried to just like kill it and put in, put, really put in the work um, and not be like, Oh, well it's only X amount of dollars. I mean, it was, it was, (laughs) very fair a great like a fine amount of money and but like still you could say oh well that's not worth i mean i put in like hundreds of hours making that first course getting it all ready to go but it led to then you know again the best thing i've ever been a part of which is sbl it's amazing man so it's just little steps like scott would say can you do this i'd say yep and he'd say, can you do this? And I'd say, yes. And I would really try to do it. Well, there are a few things I haven't done so well. You know, <laughs> but, but, then, but then having the humility to say, ooh, I don't know that I'll be great at this. Or, you know, I mean, we were just having that conversation today. He was like, is there too much on your plate? You know, if there is, you just need to tell me. Because he just throws stuff at me and I want to say yes and I want to do it. But, you know, I need a cloning device.
0: Yeah, which would be great if we could clone you because one of you could go on tour and the other one could just give yeah. lessons to the rest of us plebs. Yeah, I do. So <laughs> that's really, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the truth of the matter. So you've, you're working with SPL now, now you're on the podcast. I got to watch my very first uh, feature this past week where you are looking at people's like recordings and, and giving them feedback. Oh, yeah. I think this probably is my favorite feature on the uh, on the site now, and I've got it like running in the background um, because like hearing what people are playing and then hearing the feedback while I'm doing other things has been super helpful. I, I might ask a, a cringy question here, right? So like, how, uh, do you ever give feedback to people and say, hey, look, uh, we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give you a little bit of feedback, but I'm not gonna use your video because I don't want to put that out there. Is is there like a backdoor where you do that kind of thing or is it every you know just the videos oh, you pick no. get the feedback
2: no no you know actually it's so funny that you talk about so there's a program on SBL called student focus and uh-huh. it is not as popular as I think it should be and it's kind of like Scott actually did it himself for he did for like 140 time. episodes of it himself before I came on and then he was like can you take over student focus or can we share it? So that's another thing I did. I would do, uh, you know, every two weeks, he would do the other two weeks. We do it twice a month and I love it. I mean, I love it, but here's the thing, man, not very many people submit to that program um, because there's, it's, it's actually pretty vulnerable and, oh, yeah. and like, difficult to get something together enough get up get a camera and a light and you know have an audio set up. i mean you guys know like it just it takes some yeah. wherewithal to like make that thing happen and then put it up for critique i mean it's funny like i just did one i submitted to the program there's a new guy named craig strain who's doing it now too mm-hmm. he's his he's great his name is uh bass lessons melbourne he lives in australia uh on instagram he's an amazing player great dude and so he was like hey we should we should trade some sometime and i was like oh that's such a great idea and so i did this piece that i felt like i have a chord melody arrangement of all the things you are this old jazz standard that i've been working on for years and i submitted it and i was all sweaty palms and you know so it's like uh you know what what can be better about this how's how's my phrasing you know, and then he just sent one back to me. Um, and that, that's all public too. So the last one has my submission and this next one that I do will have his. But yeah, it's typically about 20 students that do it. And no, we don't, currently there aren't enough people that actually use that feature um, <laughs> that, and we can handle like the workload. It's oh, fine,
0: wow. it's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. And I think when people do that, when people are like humble themselves enough to say, here's a thing I'm working on, I want your feedback on XYZ, you already, you're getting the good out of it by even going there to begin with. Right. You know, right. like creating that video and talking about what you want feedback on, you kind of already know what i'm gonna say probably now there's cases where people there's technique stuff that they're not seeing and i say "Ooh, you know careful where you know your wrist angle or pinky or whatever but i mean i just people that submit to that program my hat's off like forever because it's so vulnerable you know the whole the whole place can watch you you know watch you suck at something or watch you be great at something and everywhere in between but my feedback is never like oh this sucks it's like hey this is incredible that you're participating. Here's the things that are, will take you to the next level. You know, I,
0: I always feel like if I submit to that, that the immediate response is gonna be shame.
1: You suck, <laughs> you suck, you suck. <laughs> yeah,
2: like that's it. Dude, you gotta that's do it. it. Lucas, you gotta do it.
0: I, I appreciate that you feel that way. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you
2: gotta do it, man. It's the best. And listen, I'll there's people that yep. have been <laughs> playing for six months. Okay. And, you know, and they're like working on just fretting a note clean. I mean, it's all the way to like, what I hate actually is when the jazz monsters submit. Because there are these people that are like, can you talk to me about, you know, soloing over giant steps at 240 beats per minute? And they're like, (laughs) I'm just like, I have nothing to say to you. (laughs) Like, ah, like I need, you know, to be taking lessons from you. So it's, it's really wide in the people that submit to that program it's great.
0: i'm gonna have danley submit as me yeah there we go and that's and fine. that's what that's what it. we'll do
1: that's <laughs> there what we'll we do. Go. it'll be me playing uh, i'll fly away on this. <laughs> 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 that'd be great A little Route five let's go yeah yeah, yeah.
0: that'd be awesome i'm i'm well, curious oh go ahead i've you, no i've totally dominated this entire interview because well, I'm, I'm you, geeking out, you know, over you know you talking know to, to Ian Angel.
1: Allison. I, I just want to know there's a as a YouTuber that know That Lucas has introduced, introduced, introduced me to, as well as you, yeah. uh, named davey Five Hundred Four. I'm curious oh, if, sure. if you know who he is. Of
2: course. Okay.
0: So, so are you are you a slapper?
1: Oh, a hundred percent! I slap like, oh yeah!
2: <laughs> I say, O
1: M G! That is, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting his his brand of humor. No, no. Uh, it's, when when he showed it to me, and I was like, "This is like one of the funniest dudes on the planet." It's and, unreal. And he is. He's a, an un, he's an insane bass player. Too. But he's he also
0: is. one of those that gives like the, the bass player vibe in the sense that like we are typically we're not looking for the spotlight. We're all pretty chill and and laid back. And it's like, yeah. Oh, like somebody's like, Oh, or... I did something great. And we're like, nah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that was baby. really that was really busy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he's created all of this crazy like meme culture in music. Yeah. I mean, he is such an interesting case study. Like, I mean, I respect him in so many ways. I if you go back and look at his early videos, I mean, I've been a fan of his for a long time because he used to not talk. Yeah. Like in the Years ago, he would just post these fun videos and, like, you know, it became this thing of, like, oh, people would comment, like, oh, that's impressive, but what can you do? Like, could you do it on a six-string bass? And then he would. And, like, oh, I wonder if there's anything bigger than that. And then it just got – his creativity got going. And then he's ordering these crazy – he had this crazy 24-string bass and made. Yep. and I saw that a couple you know, days ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, insane. that's a huge video for him. But and he, the play, thing he played Davey that thing that all
1: I, uh, I was just to say, he played that thing all the way up the fret, all 24
2: strings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. And his creativity is so huge. And the thing that I love about him more than his playing is that he knows who he is, and he has doubled down on the things that he used to feel embarrassed about. Right. Like, he, he felt embarrassed that he had like such an Italian accent and didn't wanna do, he didn't wanna speak in Italian on his channel because he wanted to have like a wider appeal. But when he spoke English, he was he felt self-conscious about it. And so he never would, but then he figured out a lane. So instead of like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. um, He figured out like, well, what if he just had kind of a character? Mm -hmm. What if he embraced, what if like he took those things that he felt embarrassed about, turned them out pushed them out and made it a thing and it is so his thing it's actually been really inspirational to me yeah i mean i i have a friend a great friend named jonathan maron who's a killing bass player and he has this quote he says your vulnerability is your voice and man i think about it every day you guys like the thing that you feel scared of ashamed of vulnerable about embarrassed about what if you could figure out a way to embrace that thing, make it your own, turn it outward, present it as a positive thing, and make it your voice? This this same friend, Jonathan Marin, is like the thing that you're scared of, and I was like, yeah. He's like, that's actually your. Oh. That's your. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, like that synth-based stuff that you're kind of like afraid to post about. I'm like, yeah. He's like. That's who you are. Yeah. That, so, like, what if, that's what if your you niche. figure out a way to do it and just not care if there's somebody that thinks is dumb? I mean, Davey 504 <laughs> gets so trick. much hate. Yeah. It, right. And like, he, but he has figured out a lane and it's so cool. So, I'm so attracted to people that have, that are truly, that have figured out a lane and figured out a way to embrace the things, the quirks. The the deficiencies, quote unquote, right? The the shame, the embarrassment, and turn it out. You know, I I endlessly inspired by that.
0: Well, That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I've got one more bass question, and then we want to get to to some stuff about. Because I know you want of, to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we we're gonna get yeah, to some it? stuff in a galaxy far far go. away. Let's go. Uh, let's <laughs> go. So you posted something today, and I've seen you play this bass a couple of times, and you've got like a bass library. And uh, in your studio, you have a signature bass. Yeah, I want to know how that came about and what (laughs) all of the switches and stuff on that (laughs) thing do because that's an incredible looking
2: instrument. Trying to see where it is right now. (laughs) I can just show it to you. Hang on. This is. Let me just grab it. Sweet. This is
1: what you want.
0: Yeah. This is one of the coolest instruments that I've seen. And he posted something today on Instagram. So today is, uh, we're recording this on March 29th. So go back on Ian Martin Allison's Instagram, find March 29th, the video. He just picks up the bass and he's like, sometimes you get inspired to do stuff. And when you start playing around, you end up making music. Yeah. We actually watched it before the show. And it's this wicked yeah. Synth based thing that he just came up with today.
2: There he is. There he is oh, yeah, with, with this the, with gorgeous. The, I mean, I still have that pedal plugged in right here, That the Way Huge Atreides, which is so sick. That's Petal awesome. Pedal named after Dune, which is like <laughs> a, a pedal that I must have. Absolutely. <laughs> who, this d- this is the base one that, that the you tradies? asked about. This is yes. um, made by Saku Viore, um, and it's a company called Vorensaku, and they're in Finland. And check it out. I mean, I made a video for SBL um, on, it was a top 10 Rage Against the Machine video because I loved Timmy C's bass playing growing up. Yeah, yeah. Huge Evil Empire fan. And um, I love that band very much. And this guy who makes these killing, uh, guitars mostly and basses too, but mostly guitars in Finland uh, makes these incredible instruments. And he hit me up and was like, hey, could I make you a bass? I was like, yeah, no, (laughs) sure. And then I was like, I'd I'd never heard of it before and I didn't know how to pronounce it. Well, it's incredible. Saku is Zachary or Zach and Viore is of the mountains. So this dude's name is Zachary of the mountains. That's that's awesome. This is amazing. and then I knew, um, I'm, I'm acquaintances with uh, Vince Van Tricht, who works, he's a uh, master builder at Fender. Okay. And he was like, oh, Saku's legit. He was like, all the master builders follow him. And I was like, okay. oh, <laughs> that's cool. So man, we just got chatting, you know, and he, he was like, listen, what, what I want for, for this instrument, um, because I haven't done a ton of bases. What I want is for you to just like have it in the back of, of your shot. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, you like, if I make it, would you just have it in the back? And I was like, no, <laughs> 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 like, like, I think I'd like to play it. I mean, right. Yeah. Like, should, right. And he was yeah. like, well, right. Yeah. But that's all I would want. Is it for just to be visible sometimes? And I was like, dude, if this, if we do it, let's do it.
0: Yeah, You know? Yeah. And then,
2: and then we got really excited. So I was able to, um, I mean, there's tons of. I could spend a lot of time talking about this, but um, it's to me, it's all of the things about Fenders that I love. Okay. So to me, it's equal parts jazz bass with the two single coil pickups, right? But it's also um, an offset body, but it's mm-hmm. also um, a short scale like a Mustang. It has a big, thick baseball bat, early '50s P neck, reverse headstock like that early P bass. Um, and then it has all of this switching capability to do like, Jazzmaster and Bass Six sounds. Okay. So like I love Bass Six and I love um, this kind of thing. Um, and there's like a hollow cavity here in the back, and it just, it's just all of the Fender things that i love it's like this culmination of all of the fenders in one amazing instrument all these amazing hidden functions popped out of what does that oh, do guys that... i'll tell you it engages this switch right here which is like a tone capsule that is like rolling off high end and accentuating mid range for when i do the sort of more like baritone bass six vibe stuff right the switches are just pick up on and off which and this switch is series parallel for the for the pickups right and and that's it. That's what it does. That's, that that yeah. bass definitely hits the Spiorg note. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, no doubt about. And and where it's
2: from, right? It's yeah. it's perfect. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Good job, Zachary of the mountains. Zachary yeah, well exactly of the mountains.
2: He's the best. And he was like, "Hey, what do you want it made out of? Check this out. This is great." He was like, "What do you want it made out of?" And I was like, "What is the most?" finish thing that you could make it out of and he's like, <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he goes oh to there things. there is an old school that the floorboards are being torn up and it's beautiful Be like, finished pine and he's like and i want to make it out of that <laughs> and i was like dude do it yeah let's do that so wow. it was so fun because I got to choose some stuff and then I let him choose some stuff and he made, I mean, honestly, like I was worried, you know, because like, he was like, I want to call it the Ian Allison signature. And I'm like, okay, like, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right? Like, like, you don't know. Yeah, and I knew it probably wouldn't suck. Right. I and mean, like, look at this. He was even like, oh, I'm going to tint the edges here more than I'm going to tint the center. Paula does all Look. his hand carving. Of oh, all my that. gosh. That's fantastic. You, should, like, uh, you guys should check out the guitars, too.
1: There's, a, th- there's, the, there's an I, I, I hear you on wanting your signature to be something good. Yeah. Uh, there's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> oh yeah. Larry David gets a sandwich made after him, and I think it's like S- Kevelta Fish or something. And <laughs> he tries to get Ted Danson to switch with him. Because <laughs> his, his sandwich yeah, is terrible? Yeah. yeah no no I'm, uh, I'm with you look look I think you've got a great bass I yeah. think if you know Hattori Hansel <laughs> made, made you a sword you use it yeah that's yeah, exactly exactly right. yeah. yeah
2: that's exactly right and I have this thing with instruments too where like I, I'm really comfortable on a Fender jazz bass I have like a couple of jazz basses that I use a lot mm-hmm. but then I also have this version or like gear in me where if I'm playing something that isn't the thing that I'm really used to, I want to bend myself to accommodate it. Mm-hmm. I feel that way about pedals, too. I'm not just going to play the same licks and in the same way and then be like, oh, this pedal sucks. I'm going to try to m- get the music out of the pedal. I'm going to right. try to like accommodate it, treat it like instead of like, oh, well, this isn't the perfect thing. I mean, it actually... It actually kind of is. But but what I was expecting was like, oh, it won't be the perfect thing and I will bend myself to, you know, to accommodate it. It's that thing of like you get married and there's there's no perfect person. You right. have to work on you. You gotta work on you. It's the same thing with instruments. It's like everybody's like looking for the perfect, the holy grail. It does not exist. The yeah. best instrument is the one that you spend the time getting to know, I think.
1: Yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah, and Just, I gotta say, that's what my relationship with my bassist has been like. I, I was, so I'm jumping off, and this is, we can start our, our next segment here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Explaining it. Yeah, you, oh. you explain it every week and you do a great job. Well,
0: yeah, well thanks. Well um so we we end all of our interviews with a segment we call controlled rowdiness, which is just a, a series of rapid fire questions that you can answer as short or as at length as you want to. There are no right answers, but there are several wrong ones, so you don't want to step in on, on any of those landmines. Certainly not. Right. Yeah. So uh Dan, we'll uh we'll roll to you to, to get yeah. started because this is where we're gonna get to some of our Star Wars content. Yeah. yeah. I can't okay.
1: wait. Yeah. Uh starting off with have you named
2: your signature base? I have not. I'm not into it. Ma- not into naming bases. No. I don't know why. It feels too, uh, I don't know, like possessive or something. I, I don't name them because I really like the idea of them moving on and the story continuing like long after I'm gone. Uh-huh, okay. I think the greatest gift is the space we leave when we're gone, that, for other things to flourish. That, that's what Jesus said.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and I like that you used you used flourish. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I was gonna suggest naming it Amidala to start off this Star Wars talk, but oh, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. but I hear you. You don't want you don't mm-hmm. like to name them. Yeah, that that is totally
2: in your court. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Amadala is a cool name, though. It is cool. It's a cool name. And it gets started off with our Star Wars check. Yeah. So
0: um, looking at the new Star Wars content that's coming out, right, are you more excited for the Obi-Wan series, the Ahsoka series, or the next season
2: of Bad Batch? Mm. Uh, definitely Obi-Wan after that trailer. The trailer is sick. Um, yeah. I love Bad Batch, too. I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Uh, I just want it to be about characters. My main thing with Star Wars is connect me to these characters, please. And when I feel connected to the characters, then I'm in. But if I feel like it's it's all action or it's all fan service or it's not connecting, it's not doing a good job of character arc, I struggle.
0: Do you feel like Boba Fett was a good job of character arc? I or do, do you not. Th- you think it was fan
2: service? I do. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I needed that. In fact, I would have I wish in some ways that Boba Fett would have remained more of a mystery. I think it was the series that I didn't need. Um and I mean I enjoyed it and I right. watched it, but I'm far more interested, far more interested in Grogu Din and the Mandalorian because we don't have any baggage with that. I didn't, I didn't like the first movie my dad took me to is like a tiny, tiny kid was uh, Empire Strikes Back. I was, I think I was like three or four years old. Took me to see that movie, right? So like, I have all of this grumpy old man, star. Wars I, know, me too. <laughs> yeah. I know.
1: I know already everything that you're going to say. I know. We're, yeah, I we're, know. we're there. I know, And I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I, I want there to be new stories and I want it to be centered around characters. I think the best thing that Filoni, uh, did with uh, with John Favreau was do that dynamic between you know the gunslinger and then the helpless child who turns out wow isn't helpless and is going to save his life you know yeah. that that's that to me is the some of the best Star Wars storytelling of all time and that's what I want I want more. I want new characters. I want things that I don't bring a lot of baggage to. That said, seeing Obi Wan and Darth, light I was going to say again, it's going to be It's, gonna it's fun. exactly
1: what's going to happen in Obi Wan where we see yeah. established characters that we get more of a backstory. I know, you're right. But I'm very excited to see Ewan McGregor back. You know, I, you I, I think he did He's probably the best acting in, in the Star Wars. Uh, in the prequels, for sure. Yeah, 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 in the prequels, for sure. Who, who do you think? Uh, who do you think is the best actor in all of Star Wars? Who did the best acting job?
2: Um, this this is uh, this may be controversial. Good, but I loved. I didn't love the sequels, like as a as a whole. I thought they mm-hmm. were flawed in many ways. But I love Adam Driver. Yeah, I oh, loved yeah. Kylo Ren. I yeah. loved his arc. I dude, when I watch Rise of Skywalker, that 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 scene with him and Rey where oh, she yeah. hits him and then because his mother calls to him from afar and then his father that he kills shows up and talks that's i love kylo ren's character so much and i know that you know whatever they <laughs> i don't care yeah. I'm, I'm gonna proclaim it from a mountaintop i loved that character i love how it was written um even though there's stuff about those movies that i think's trash i i think <laughs> his character was incredible
1: i i have a question Okay. Yeah. Why, why do characters with awesome helmets take them off? For, yeah. for instance, Kylo Ren, Judge Dredd, Robocop, uh, <laughs> Darth, Darth, Vader. Vader, Darth Vader, that end up taking it off and make the fans mad. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to be like there's all of these vehicles yeah. where they take their helmet off and it makes everyone mad. Like Kylo Ren. I love Kylo Ren. I didn't like it when he took his helmet off i want to go put it back on
0: yeah but keep your
1: helmet and your
2: shirt on kylo ren right (laughs) yeah i know totally but okay but but check out this check out this perspective just i wonder what you think of this we hate it. the mask was a front (laughs) the mask was was Uh right the mask was him trying to ape his grandfather yeah yeah and actually taking it off was was like that was actually the strength yeah you know like taking it off and not having to try to live up to grandpa vader but like being his own dude i'm I that's, loved it. I love the mask coming off for that, him. That's personally. really
1: cool. But don't make a cool mask. Like get make, get a get a get a bad mask. <laughs> you you think he just
0: take needs like a Groucho Marx set of glasses and yeah. be like, yeah, yeah those the, are yeah, dumb. Yes. Yeah, the take Mandalorian. That thing yeah. Off. I mean,
1: I, I've given a long list of cool helmets that people take yeah. it off. And granted, like the actors is in the movie, they want themselves to be seen so they can get more work. I say, what yes. about the character?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking (laughs)
1: of of characters
0: and an old man, uh, there's been a lot of controversy in Star Wars, which I think we can say just about nearly anything that Star Wars related at this point with the transition from live action to animated or animated to live action for a lot of the characters. Right. Uh, Are you disappointed in the look of the live action Grand Inquisitor? It's so loaded. It's such a loaded question because I know you are. you question? <laughs> like we had all this really fun base talk, and now we're gonna get to this stuff where he gets in trouble with Disney.
2: <laughs> like I, I better say the right thing. Okay, check it out. I didn't actually. Uh, well, no, it pinged me. It okay. was lame. It pinged yeah. me. I was like, ooh, but but I also want to. I also want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't. I don't. I'm not like into like jumping on it right away. Right. But yeah, man, I watch all that stuff. I mean, I watch um, Den of Nerds and I watch uh, like uh, new rock stars and, you mm-hmm. know, people that are doing the, you know, like, oh, if they just would have done the yellow eyes. Right. Like, if they just would have done the yellow eyes on the Grand Inquisitor, that even, even just that would have, yeah. And I have, um, my daughter is a huge, Huge Star Wars fan and a huge fan of the prequels. She's 10. Ahsoka is her favorite character. Naturally. And she was like, she saw Rosario Dawson and was like, oh, her headtails are too short. Like, Dad, no. No, 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 no. no." She's like, her headtails are too short. I was like, I know, but they couldn't make them too long because she had to, you know, unless they were going to CG all of her action. Right. And she was like, doesn't matter sucks her headtails are too short (laughs) so i I get it you know we like we have these things we we already have baggage with the animated stuff it's wild yeah and you know what uh first off
0: tell your daughter they're called leeku right so get (laughs) it right um (laughs) but but like second like the big thing is they shortened them in rebels And so there are a lot of people that were like, you know, that, that doesn't fit the Ahsoka that we got, but again, new animation styles moving. I do think Rosario Dawson's a, a really good choice for Ahsoka though.
2: Like she's got the
1: look, she's got the attitude for it. Um, do you think you got the double white lightsabers that came out of nowhere? Oh, uh, those
0: sick. those came out of the Ahsoka book, Danley.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Those were Sith crystals that were purified. That's exactly. Thank you. Oh, look at that. Thank <laughs> you, know Ian that. Allison. They are they're Sith crystals I, I that were purified.
0: We talked
1: about this. No, we talked about that. We did we? talk about. I mm-hmm. forgot.
0: Yep. There's also okay. So if you like the new Rockstar stuff, there's a podcast that you absolutely have to check out called Tatooine Sons. Oh, right. I so haven't. I should. So they're friends of ours um and they actually got to name a canon Star Wars creature they got to amazing. name one of the porgs and he became canon but it's a dad and his two sons yeah, the, the and they talk about got to name it. yeah and they and they talk about Star Wars they've been doing it for the last few years it's absolutely oh, so cool. amazing it's just a cool like you know parent and kid vibe Plus, they're oh. they're talking about pop culture and and looking at it from not just a parent and kid perspective, but also like how cool some of the new stuff is. So, all right,
1: Danny, last great. two questions. Okay, cool. I, yeah. Actually, I would say I have two and they're not Star Wars related. Beauty, so all right, so do, do your two and then I'm taking right. one. Okay. Uh, what do you think is the funniest guitar cable manufacturer name? Funniest? The name. Yeah. yeah.
2: The funniest guitar cable manufacturer. Yeah. The name. Is let's see if you get this right. Planet Waves. No, it's Neutrik. Dang it!
1: <laughs> that was close, though. That was really close. Okay, la- last question for me. Uh, we we determined in this conversation that at the age of thirty two, all side musicians go to a retirement home. Yes, right. Exactly. That's yeah. right. So, so my question is: What are some of the activities to add enrichment to the aging resident bass players?
2: Who. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Um there needs to be there needs to be a weekly base off where where everyone gets together and slaps a lick ferociously and you know uh bass players eight. enter one bass player emerges that that's, that's <laughs> pretty dark. I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they're not like killing each other but yeah it's high stakes yeah high it's stakes it's very in the, in the, very high stakes yep <laughs> what, what, what about you what do you think uh so i i i mean a, a slap off is definitely what all bassists would want to do right it would just be a matter of like do you make special concessions for um you know whether or not you can wrestle your base into your wheelchair because yes. that's that's difficult well, yeah I man the arm the, the yeah thing is right here. Yeah, it's So tricky. like, is there a handicap that you get to apply if you're if you're in a wheelchair? So uh last question for you, do you know the name of the type of space music played in the Tatooine cantina?
2: I mean, I know that it's played by Figrin Don in the modal nodes, right?
0: Which is which is amazing, but do you know what George Lucas
2: named it? I wish I could say yes. Tell me.
0: So it's he replaced a vowel in the word jazz, and if you could think of like what is the worst thing to call this music with another no. vowel? Yes.
1: <laughs> it no. is.
0: It is space jizz. That is the name no. of of the the no, music style that the Cantina <laughs> <been> plays. <placed>. No. <laughs> no so with uh with that piece of information now oh. unable to to exit your memory uh we we thank you Ian allison tell our uh, tell our listeners where it is that they can follow you on social media oh, and how they can get guys, connected with you this has
2: been so fun first of all thank you so much for having me what a treat treat to chat with you guys thanks for your flexibility on the time as well oh, yeah. I'm, i am very active on instagram that is sort of home base pun intended it shouldn't have been but it, <laughs> that is Ian Martin Allison I'm the I'm the guy that I wish I could have just got Ian Allison but it was taken and I had to use my middle name and now people call me that and it's hilarious <laughs> it sounds like my parents you know uh, chiding me for not doing my chores but yes Ian Martin Allison on Instagram I'm also available at SBL but if you're not a member of Scott's base lessons Come and hang out with me on Instagram. I try to. I'm still trying to get back to every DM. Uh, I I try to make that uh, a daily practice of trying to answer all the DMs. That's shorthand for dungeon master. For yes, he's answering all the
0: all the dungeon masters, but only if you roll an 18 plus. Like you don't (laughs) get an answer unless you get a crit. That's actually how we got a hold of Ethan, so I can or of Ian, and so I can tell you that that is absolutely true. He does answer his DMs with and one that's, crit. Yeah, yeah, with one one. Crit. I had to actually show me rolling the die until until I got it. Take that's when I finally got the yeah. answer. Um, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We appreciate it.
2: It's been awesome. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate
0: it. Ian, freaking
2: Allison, I feel like a truffle pig. you doing that.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let it just die there all the truffle pig comparisons. <laughs> Just, I feel like there's no place where we can go that ends in our friendship being edified. <laughs> cool. So, so so Ian was cool. Yeah, Ian was cool. Uh, I loved talking to Ian about the Star Wars stuff. He's a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so controlled rowdiness was a lot of fun with him. Also his journey to getting on Scott's bass lessons is so wild, man, that he started off as a side musician. He was going to give up on music, and then he decides to start this Instagram channel, and he just starts tagging Scott in everything, Mm -hmm. and that that's how he gets noticed. Now, obviously, the dude is incredibly talented and doing some really unique stuff with the bass. Like, he's recently put out a video where he's talking about... Pardon me. He's talking about creating the 808 sound that's in so much pop music with the bass. And in order to do it, that you've got to scoop. So most scoops you come from, you know, down low on the guitar. You Boom. This is the opposite direction that you slide down to the note. In order to do that, and, and I'm be honest,
1: that's my favorite way to slide. Anyways, is is down, is down to the note, yeah. yeah.
0: And so this is a really intentional, like sliding down, like <laughs> and it's <laughs> how dude, many guitar so sounds Crazy, <laughs> So, uh, um, it's it's really cool to Ow. see the way that he is innovative on the instrument, yeah, and how that has not just served him. In his professional life as a studio musician, but now he's taking that and he's giving that knowledge to other people. I also really dug him talking about the Scott's bass lesson, like the lesson corner where you go in, you like show yourself playing something, which is a huge vulnerable thing. He's recently done some of those to let the other instructors look at. And as he's come back on, he's like, listen, I hate this. Like, this is so vulnerable because. I'm playing things and he's like I know what kind of player I am. I know what my strengths are and to have somebody else look at me who's also a professional bassist and also a friend of his and be like awesome. hey uh, awesome. you should uh, you should maybe be careful how you're using your left hand because I think some of those ghost notes are not notes that you need. You're just doing it because you know, you're trying to keep time instead of just leaving space. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that." <laughs> and <laughs> it's like it's so it's so cool. I really really dig the dude's energy too. He was he was so much fun to have onto the show. Um, Ian, thanks so much. You guys, make sure that you check out all the links in the show notes for Scott's Bass Lessons, um, for the free stuff that they're doing with SBL Academy, as well as Ian's Instagram um, and his upcoming tour dates with Eric Hutchinson, um, as well as the stuff to his band, The Orange Goodness, uh, who has just put out some really, really cool music that features ian martin allison on the bass guitar so thank you guys for watching we
1: we love you except for jared
2: y'all have good get give what's up i am ian martin allison side musician bass player with eric hutchinson scott's bass lessons and this is why you should never ever under any circumstance listen to the reverend and the reprobate